Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the eastern border. <laughs> like I promised, well, I <laughs> didn't make it uh, exactly on time. However, um, yeah, I wanted to make an episode on Tatiana Zdanoka. <laughs> yeah, the least surprising episode to anyone here in Riga. Uh, now, before I move on to explain who she is and what she's been doing and everything, but, uh, yeah, she's already raging out, putting stuff on YouTube, but um, everyone knew she was wildly connected to to the Russian uh, Russian government and all that stuff. It's an interesting story, and if you haven't heard of it, well, I uh, hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Also, please, and this time I'll put it in the beginning, because I usually say it at the end, it's just that, uh, yeah, p- please consider supporting the show on Patreon. I know times are tough, but uh, currently I'm trying to get married, and yeah, Patreon's gone down a bit, and <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how can I, you know... <laughs> Get my medical stuff fixed as well. So if you can, please consider becoming a Patreon on patreon.com slash eastern border. And, and, you know, if you're listening to this on the app, ACOST might tell you to just go to ACOST slash eastern border. You can like click a donate button there, or you can just go to the eastern border.lv and click the donate button there until we get the shop up, because that, again, is a, oh boy, a bit more difficult than I had thought before. But yeah, you know, uh, I usually sell, say these things at the end. Just wanted to maybe mention them, mention them in the beginning. I really hate monetizing and um, all that nonsense. But yeah, the subject is subject today is Tatiana Zdanok. You know what? If Ayo Benes had his own episode some years ago, he just tried to high time to finally uh, finally give a proper episode to one of the traders of our own country of Latvia. See, what happened was that um, Delphi, Estonia, Latvia's Rebaltica, Sweden's Expressen, and uh, the insider, well, disclosed that Tatiana Zdanoka, an MEP in Strasbourg of European Parliament, had been uh, working on behalf of the FSB's Fifth Service, reporting to two different handlers, from at least 2004 to 2017. Leaked emails between Zdanoka and her two known Russian case officers include explicit detailed reports from Zdanoka to her handlers describing her work as a European legislator, particularly as those official duties relate to fostering pro-Kremlin sentiment in her native Baltic region. Other correspondence involves arranging physical meetings in Moscow or in Brussels between Zdanok and her Russian handler, along with a request for funding from Russian sources to underwrite her political activities in Latvia and the European Parliament. At least once she requested money for organizing a rally to commemorate the Red Army's victory in World War II. In an email response to the insider, Zdanok had stated that the Quote, I cannot consider this text to be questions to me uh, put to me because it is based on information that you supposedly have, which by definition you should not have. Which, you know, <laughs> it's very weird. Her political organization, Latvia's Russian Party, also claims that it's all fake and everything like that. It's utter nonsense, of course, because, <laughs> well, hard evidence is hard evidence. The insider had confirmed that Zdanok Stuka document handlers have been officers of the Russian Federal Security Service, well, the successor of the KGB. According to the emails, her first case officer was a veteran FSB cadre from St. Petersburg Central Directorate, Dmitry Galdi. Gladi, sorry. 
74, who were Anjdanak from approximately 2004 to 2013. After 2013, Zdanak was in regular contact with Sergei Belyukov, an FSB operative, operative since 1993. Zdanak told the insider she has met thousands of people and cannot remember anyone named Belyukov, which may be because he communicated with her using the cover name Sergei Krasen. The insider followed up by asking if Zdanak could confirm anyone by that name or meeting him in person. She did not respond in time for the study. Zdanak did, however, confirm knowing Gladi for decades, having met, quote, in the early 1970s at a tourist base in North Caucasus, where they were learning to ski. However, she denied having any knowledge that Gladi is a Russian spy. Quote, I can testify that only the only people with whom I have sat at the same table and with certain knowledge that they are or were Russian FSB officers are Vladimir Putin and Sergei Narishkin, Zdanak said. Narishkin is the current director of SVR, Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, the successor of the KGB's first chief directorate. Alice Ba Kuhn, an MEP from Sweden's Green Party and the former Minister of Culture and Democracy in Stockholm, is, uh, is vice president of uh, the Greens and European Free Alliance, to which Zdanak belonged until April 2022. Kuhn Kuhnke, I think I'm hard, I, I really don't know how to pronounce Swedish surnames, said news of Zdanok's espionage struck her as terrible, but unsurprising. After all, we both receive ongoing reports in the European Parliament as parliamentarians. And I know since I was a minister in the government of Sweden about how Russia and Putin's agents work, and they have networks everywhere. In a comment to The Insider, German politician and former MEP Rebecca Harms, who served as president of the Greens slash European Free Alliance group in the European Parliament from 2010 until 2016, said, quote, One of my real failures as a co-chair of Greens EFA was that I was not able to convince the Greens and EFA MEPs that Zdanagos obvious support for Putin and Assad and the illegal, <coughs> the illegal referendum in Crimea, the bombing of Aleppo, the, ev the events in the EU Parliament with the Russian nationalists, was totally unacceptable for a member of Green's EFA faction. In this case, my group mistrusted me and my Russophobia more than the member of party financed by Putin, an MEP who again and again supported dictators, war crimes, and crimes against international law. Now, Zdanoka, like approximately a quarter, uh, I'd say slightly less at this point, about 20%, but you know, approximately 20%, of Latvia's population is of Russian heritage. Her family moved to Latvia, which was illegally annexed by the Soviet Union, as you all know by the history after World War II and all that stuff. She she was born in 1950, and um, yeah, but the, her family moved after the annexation, after we were occupied. And yeah, apparently, was a totally Soviet citizen. She ob she obtained Latvian citizenship in 1996, five years after we got our full independence back. But despite holding a Latvian passport, Zdanok has nevertheless built a career opposing its existence, my country's existence, as a sovereign country. Zdanok has been outspoken all the time in her support of our eastern neighbor, Russia, along with uh, that, well, along with basically their, their documented ongoing efforts to interfere in the Baltics. In 2009, the Moscow City Council sent Russian diplomat Gergi Muradov as an envoy to Riga. Muradov's visit coincided with preparations for that year's Euro European parliamentary elections, as activities on the ground in the Latvian capital included lobbying ethnic Russians to vote for Zdanok, in part by disbursing money to Russian World War II veterans to incentivize their support.
Today, Muradov serves as the deputy head of Rossotrudnichestva in occupied Crimea. Officially, that body serves as the cultural arm of the Russian Foreign Ministry. Unofficially, at least, according to Western Intelligence Services, it's a non-tosable clearinghouse for Russian espionage. According to a source from one of those Western services, Muradov himself is a spy. A review of Muradov's data footprint shows several links between the diplomat and the FSB, including his residential address, Michursky Prospect 29-1, which is located on a Moscow block of multi-story apartment buildings primarily inhabited by FSB and, less frequently, SVR. One of Muradov's neighbors at this Moscow address is Alexei Alexandrov, a member of the FSB assassination team that poisoned Russian opposition leader Navalny with the military-grade Novichok back in 2020. In 2014, five years after Muradov's trip to Riga, Rzanok traveled to Crimea to serve as an international observer in the illeg- illegitimate referendum that paved the way for Russia's annexation of the peninsula. At this time, Muradov himself was stationed in Crimea, serving as a as the so-called representative of the occupied Crimea to the Kremlin. Two years later, in 2016, Zdanok traveled to Syria, where she held talks with its dictator, Bashar al-Assad. At the time of uh, the MEP's visit to Damascus, Russia's direct military intervention was already popping, uh, propping up the Assad regime, its struggle for survival against Western backfable forces. The European Parliament refused to pay uh, for MEP Zdanok's travel, as Assad and his entourage were under European Union sanctions. Unsurprisingly, on March the 2nd, 2022, Zdanok was one of only 13 members of the European Parliament who voted against the European Parliament's resolution condemning Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And now, now basically in Latvia, for, for, for most of us, the disclosure of Zdanok's years, years-long work with uh, Putin's secret services, it's, it's, it's not even news. We all knew that. 100% just that finally it's been documented and now she can finally go to prison for once. She has long been held uh, by she has long been held by basically everyone and the mainstream political establishment to be a Russian agent of, of influence because of how she worked with with basically everyone. There's another secret work on behalf of the Russian intelligence just largely complements her outward politicking. The um, the MEP from Latvia routine, routinely condemned all three Baltic nations for alleged mistreatment of our ethnic Russian di- diasporas. Uh, the, they sort of bring out their anti-discrimination efforts, which are, by the, by the way, just Kremlin-funded propaganda front groups, which, you know, Putin likes to spread his propaganda here uh, under organizations ostensibly committed to the causes of human rights, anti-fascism, and anti-Nazism. And, uh, yeah, uh, in this context, by the way, it's interesting to be noted that uh, during Zdanok's election monitoring efforts in Crimea, in 2014, several of her international colleagues were really the actual fascists and neo-Nazis from UK, Austria, France, and Germany. A major theme of Zdanok's campaigning in the Euro Parliament has been focused on what she insists is Latvia's persecution of Russian language. In March 2015, she took part in an event put on by Latvia Without Nazism, an organization she herself, Zdanok, founded in Belgium, and which the chief of VDD, uh, Latvia State Security Service, said was financed by the Kremlin to the tune of about 25,000 euros. He, at the time, said, it's completely clear that these people are realizing Russia's interests. Zdanok denied taking any Russian government money. 
one Western intelligence officer with whom the insider shared the leak correspondence said that Zdanov's espionage is motivated purely by, the, uh, by ideology. She doesn't need the money. She has enough of the, it incoming from the European Parliament. She's spending her own money to fund her party's activities. But the emails say otherwise. Zdanov's first case officer was Dmitry Gladi, a 74, a veteran FSB caterer from St. Petersburg. For decades, his public-facing role has been as one of Russia's representatives to various election-monitoring organizations. His most recent role is that of the chairman of the International Institute for Monitoring the Development of Democracy. The institute was formed by the Interparliamentary Assembly for the Commonwealth of Independent States in 2006 with the declared purpose to facilitate the exchange of information, generalization of best practices in the development of democracy with parliamentarism and observance of citizens' electoral rights. Gladi's ties to the Russian intelligence are evidenced by his access to state secrets and restricted-slash-controlled travel outside of Russia, as, you know, uh, a lot of this was established by, by the databases hacked by Ukrainian hackers. Leaked trial data from Russia's Sirena booking database also shows that Gladi frequently traveled on joint bookings with other FSB operatives, which the same government database links explicitly to the agency's fifth service. Mind you, the Fifth Service, um, to those of you who don't know, but we've, we've been speaking about them previously, especially as they failed in the early war, was founded in the 1990s and repurposed in 2004 to counteract the wave of pro-democratic color revolutions, then sweeping such post-Soviet countries as Georgia, Ukraine, Kyrgyzstan, all over the place. More recently, it was responsible for trying to politically destabilize Ukraine and recruiting potential fifth columnists there in advance of Russia's full-scale invasion. The destabilization operation originated through a series of visits to Kiev by these Fifth Service members, including its chef, uh, General Sergei Beseda, during the Maidan uprising in early 2014. On one of the trips, Beseda urged then-President of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, to use force against the demonstrators who were demanding that the government in Kiev signed on to a, signed on to a long-negotiated association agreement with the EU. And the, subs the subsequent recruitment and everything, <clears throat> subsequent recruitment to the destabilization operation against Ukraine lasted nearly eight years and was, owing to Ukraine's fierce resistance to Russia's military invasion, marked as something less than spectacular success. As a result, the Fifth Service's notorious head, the same General Sergei Bised, found himself in a precarious position in Moscow. Through March 2022, rumors swirled that Bised had been sacked or even arrested, but uh, yeah, ultimately he was simply given a second chance to try something out well outside, uh, well outside the Ukrainian purview. Andrei Soldatov, a London-based Russian journalist and an author specializing in Kremlin security services, said the following, quote, Tsarist Russia used to be a gendarme of Europe, and Putin's fifth service was supposed to be the gendarme of the post-Soviet region. The more Putin's paranoia grows, the more expanded the fifth service's mandate gets, to include stations in Russian embassies in the West to watch Russian immigrants. By the way, about Russian immigrants, when the election time comes, I will definitely go and see who actually, if even there is a vote in the Russian embassy in Latvia, because there should be, because that's their rights, and I'll go and check for whom people have voted and what's happening there, because that might be, <laughs> that might be really, really interesting. But yeah, back, back to the story. The earliest communication between Gladje and Zdanok examined by the journalist is dated October 3, 2005. Zdanok sent to attachments to Bladi's email address 
Dmitry Georg at mail.ru. One of them was an unpublished draft agenda for an upcoming conference in Tallinn and Narva, Estonia, sponsored by two parliamentary blocs, the European Parliament's Green European Free Alliance Group and the European Russian Alliance. The second was a draft press release about the conference, an event purposely organized to discuss, in the words of Zdanoka, the experience of Russian politicians' participation in municipal governments with, experience, with, the, with the experience of collaboration between NGOs and local government institutions. Within the EU today, there are up to 6 million people for whom Russian is the native language. End quote. Suspicions surrounding the true allegiances of European-Russian alliance, of which Zdanoka is a member, are not new. As far back as 2005, Estonia's internal security service, known by its native acronym KAPPO, stated in the body of its public publicly disseminated report that the NGO was little more than an FSB front and that its founding had been prepared in St. Petersburg and reported directly to the director general of FSB as a triumph. KAPPO was not the only intelligence service to make the connection between the European-Russian alliance and Russian espionage services. It was designated as a vehicle for indoctrination and to establish meetings between bosses from Russia, residenturas, Russian spy stations, that is, in Brussels, and compatriots. The best part is, the FSB managed to run their operations with European taxpayer money. MEPs, members of Europarliament, such as Zdanoka, were financed by her parliament factions, in this case, Greens and, Euro Greens and European Russia Alliance. Well, she of course denies all all that stuff about about Gladia and, and, and all this <laughs> all this nonsense because you know she has to cover her her butt somehow. I have no clue how she's gonna do that, you know, after all this mess. But uh, we'll get to it later on if she if she decides to try to explain her to Latvian press. On October the third, two thousand and six, Gladia wrote to Zdanoka. I'm arriving at Midi on Wednesday at 12.40, returning at 17.30, with Midi referring to Brussels South train station that connects to Brussels airport. Zanuk replied, Very good, I will come to Midi. Let's meet on the platform by the train. If we miss one another, let's meet at the main entrance of the station. In August 2007, the agent and the handler struggled to find a place to meet. Gladi was occupied with travel to Kazakhstan and Belarus, where he was posing as an election monitor. Zdanak was on her way to China. They eventually agreed to meet in Moscow, where Zdana Kraleo were a few hours on her return from Asia. Emails show that the meeting took place on September the 1st, 2007. After speaking with Gladier face-to-face, Zdanok traveled by train from Moscow to Riga, then onwards to Strasbourg, France, the official seat of the Europarliament. Well, it appears that Zdanok and Gladier reserved the more sensitive parts of their communication for in-person meetings. They were not always possible to arrange and Zdanakov occasionally sent detailed discussion points along with requests for Gladys' input or assistance to her FSB case officer. For instance, on September 8, 2007, a week after their meeting in Moscow, Zdanaka wrote Gladi a lengthy email in Russian with the subject line Achot, or report. She began by apologizing that she could not send the promised information from Strasbourg and then went on to provide an account on what tasks had been satisfied since June. She'd been um, she'd been a bit busy. In addition to traveling to Russian-controlled Crimea, Zdanak organized a public hearing on June 26th at the Euro Parliament. The topic was the Estonian authorities' response to violent protests in Tallinn following the relocation of a Soviet-era World War II monument from a busy central intersection to a nearby veterans' cemetery. The so-called Bronze Soldier Affair of April 2007 
which had coincided with the series of cyber attacks on Estonia that were subsequently found to have emanated from Russia. Zdanovka reported to Gladly that uh, Gladi, sorry, his his surname uh, written in English just sounds a bit weird to my ears, that the inter that the hearing had received coverage in Russia, Estonia, and Latvia, partly thanks to the efforts of her intern Ivan Yagashev, who reported uh, on the story for a Russian language newspaper published in Latvia. Zdanovka also set up a three-day training camp for quote unquote anti-fascist Latvian-Estonian pro-Russian organizations, including the Estonia-based Nightwatch movement, which was set up in the wake of the removal of the bronze soldier. Uh, as the head of the Bureau of Estonia's Kapo, uh, Internal Security Service reported, quote, Zenaka's activities in Estonia are part of a Kremlin-coordinated divisive operation. We first mentioned uh, the divisive activities associated with her in our annual review 20 years ago. The Baltics are treated as a single region by the Kremlin, using the same template to divide, often involving the same people and organizations. Zdanok even launched a radio show called The Hour of the Russians, uh, Russian School in Latvia, which warned Russians in the country of the possible problems of sending children from Russian families to Latvian language schools. She also noted that she was putting together a forthcoming exhibition in the European Parliament titled Russians in of Latvia to promote the um, historical idea that ethnic Russians were the true indigenous population of Latvia, which is a total bullshit and nonsense. On April 9, 2010, Zdanok sent Gladi a draft plan for promoting the celebration of Russia's Victory Day, a Russian national holiday commemorating the Soviet defeat of Nazi Germany in Latvia. This proposal included, included request for extra $6,000 to be added on top of the funding Gzanaka was said to obtain as official organizer in her capacity as an MEP. The cash was earmarked for various purposes. One was buying St. George ribbons, orange and black striped pennants, since, uh, who have since become the, kind of their, their symbol for this war. Another purpose was produ producing a documentary film about Latvian veteran trips to Austria and Belgium to take part in the 65th anniversary on the liberation of Vienna from the Third Reich. It's all nonsense. Gladi continued working with Zdanok for at least eight years, but in 2013, the MEP's protocol for corresponding with her handlers in Russia changed. On September 12, 12 of 2013, Gladi forwarded Zdanok's latest report, which Gladi received the day earlier, titled Speech and Resolutions, to a new burner email. Ser2022 at mail.ru. Gladi subsequently sent the MEP a virtual introduction to a man named Sergei Krasin, who used a similar, similarly numbered burner email, serg0680 at mail.ru, to communicate with Zdanok. Zdanok first communicated directly with Krasin on December 12th, uh, directing all her future reports to him. He thus became her second case officer. And by the way, the journalists were able to identify Krasin based on the unique leak password that was used by the owner of the Share2280 email, email account. The password was also used for logging into the account with a telephone number that belongs to Sergei Belchukov, an active FSB officer from St. Petersburg. There were several other emails from the numbered range used by Belchukov, all starting with the same letters, Ser, and sharing the same password, thus allowing uh, the investigative team to conclude with a lot of certainty that this Sergei Krasin, yes, indeed, was in fact Sergei Belchikov. He, he also has a long story with FSB, he's an economist, but uh, 
he somehow, well, managed to get also in the handling of the FSB. Sometimes these guys are just weird. But of course, Gladye and Beltukov are not the only FSB operatives Zdanak had assisted. In September 2022, an Estonian court verdict named Artyom Kureyev, a Russian national, as an FSB officer who was running another Russian, Sergei Serejenko, a self-proclaimed human rights ombudsman of Estonia. Kureyev was one of the seven suspected Russian handlers of Serejenko, who, like Zdanak, was openly promoting narratives about the alleged persecution, and it is truly alleged, there is no persecution, of ethnic Russian and Russian speakers in the Baltic states. The Estonian verdict states that Zdanaka filed an application at the Belgian embassy in Moscow to obtain a Schengen visa for Kurev's visit to the European Parliament from April 2 to 8, 2014, mere weeks after Russia's armed takeover of Crimea. Zdanaka, of course, explains this by claiming that Kurev was, quote-unquote, was invited to participate in one of the several conferences that he organized the European Parliament with the support of my political group. Kureyev, she added, was recommended to me as a lecturer at the Faculty of International Relations of St. Petersburg University by my intern who was studying there. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> like I said, and absolutely no one was surprised over here in Latvia. Latvia's state security service, the country's, our own domestic counterintelligence agency, has taken notice of Zdanok's many entanglements with the St. Petersburg-based FSB. It wasn't a coincidence when on June 22, 2022, Latvia's parliament proposed, passed an amendment prohibiting pro-Kremlin-oriented persons and political organizations from running from office. Zdanok, it was well reported, was the main, if not sole, inspiration for the revision. As such, she will not be on the list of candidates for, for the European parliamentary election this year, in 2024. This is not the first time Riga has attempted to prevent Zdanok from seeking office. In 2002, the Latvian government banned her from running the general election, citing her continued membership in the Communist Party after January 13, 1991, the date when the Communist Party conspired to dissolve our newly independent Latvian, Latvian government in a coup. She was also removed from the posting in the municipal government in Riga for the same reason. Although the European Court of Human Rights later ordered Riga to pay Zdanak 20,000 for violating her democratic rights, the case was then sent to the Grand Chapter on Appeal, and the original judgment was overturned. Zdanak called the ban a witch hunt. Now, apparently, apparently, um, all these investigative partners, partners uh, alerted Latvia's counterintelligence service, the VDD, to Zdanak's co co correspondence with Russian intelligence officers. However, prosecuting her could prove challenging. Under Latvia's criminal code, taking instructions from Fopfora and spy agency, or even receiving compensation from one, was technically not made illegal until 2016. However, while Zdanok may be able to evade any legal consequences for actions spanning the majority of her career as an agent of Moscow, there's an email proving that she continued to report to Biltikov, her second handler, after the changed law. On January 14, 2014, Sorry, 2017, Zdanok emailed him about arranging a, de a delegation from Latvia to attend an event in St. Petersburg, the 74th adventure, 74th anniversary of the end of the Nazis' World War II era siege of Leningrad was coming up on January 27th. And Zdanok really wanted Latvia to be represented there. Quote, I'll quote the letter and email that we have in full. Hello, Sergei. Congratulations on all the holidays that have occurred and will occur in January. 
I have a big request for you. Need your help in finding out whether it's possible uh, for a group of eight people from Latvia to join the foreign delegations that will be received in St. Petersburg on the anniversary on the lifting of the blockade. Traditionally, I covered uh, travel costs of such groups whilst the administration pays for accommodation and catering. I understand the timing is tight. We were not able to send the request on time due to a major break in the embassy's activities, which is not much in conjunction with holidays, but rather with the change of ambassador. In addition, I got sick and was not advised that the letter to the ambassador from the blockade survivors, whom I'm in charge of curating, failed to be delivered. Best wishes, Tatinus Danok. The Russian verb kurirovac, to curate, conspicuously used by Zdanok in the phrase the blockade survivors whom I am in charge of curating can be translated as supervising. However, in the parlance of the FSB, it's also the term used to mean run, as in running assets or sub-agents. I'm sure Zdanok was spotting others who could have been of interest to the FSB. Uh, Dan Hoffman, a former, former CIA officer who was stationed in Moscow and Tallinn, commented, Anyone she ever came into contact with, European, with in the European Parliament, it all went to the FSB. And I'm sure she was tasked to do it. Hoffman noted that the use of unencrypted communications mailed, mailed through email accounts in the case of both Gladier and Belchukov indicated the cavalier attitude in the part of the Fifth Service. As to just how clandestine this agent-handler relationship was intended to be, quote, the fact that the FSB didn't hide their interaction with her, that it was open to be exposed, such as you've done now, he spoke to the journalists. I guess they didn't care because the people they're, they're trying to influence are favorably disposed toward Russia anyway. And they're fine for this to be discovered because now, now they, they'll say she's being victimized by an anti-democratic Latvian government. But yeah, Zanok's fate here in Latvia is uncertain. So long as she's still sitting MEP, she has five months left in her final term, she retains parliamentary immunity from prosecution, including in Latvia. And currently, we have no idea whether or not Riga plans to open a criminal counterintelligence investigation into Zandok's activities based on doc documentary evidence. But I'm pretty sure that something will, um, will be done. Just saying I have a... <clears throat> just saying I have a hunch, you know. These things happen. Sometimes you have to have a bit of a hunch to understand things, and uh, let's just say I do this time. So yeah, this is the study of Tatiana Zdanok and how no one in, in Riga was surprised one bit at all about anything she totally did or what happened. So that's about it for today. Please do consider supporting the show. We've been losing some patrons lately. I, it's my fault as well. We're going to have to figure stuff out and more about the news and the front lines and everything. And as always, remember... Happiness is mandatory.